Episode 357. You've got to throw some cold water on this situation. Start talking about nerd stuff. You know, nerd culture is mainstream now. So when you use the word nerd derogatorily, it means you're the one that's out of the zeitgeist. System activate. This is NetHeads with Will Wilkins and Trent Hunsaker. It's a tech podcast. Tech podcast. But we are a sh- ton cooler than your typical geek you guys rock and now here's will and trent no one listens to the radio i wasn't even listening i was listening to podcasts podcasts are great radio boring indeed they are welcome one and all to another edition of netheads thank you very much for joining us my name is will Trent Hunsaker is on assignment, but I am okay with that because I got my second favorite host, uh, my second best friend. <laughs> if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. Thankfully, uh, Tony, Mr. Marvelite, is sitting in. Tony, how the hell are you doing, sir? Doing great. Thank you. I, I'm glad to be the Constellation Prize. Yeah, you are. And you're my favorite Constellation Prize. I want you to know that. Um, only because you're calling yourself that. I wouldn't call you that. That would be rude. Um, so thank you very much for joining us. And I will probably vacillate between calling him Tony and Mr. Marvelite. So just try and keep up. If you want to take part in the program, you can. One of many ways. If you were doing it live then you're already seeing us live and there is a chat option right there with you after the fact. You can use hashtag netheads on your tweets or just interact with the video in any place uh, that it is located. Uh, But other than that, welcome. So happy to have you all here. Uh, Tony, before we get into what I am anticipating to be the real meat of this particular installment of netheads, because... Uh, we have both seen, uh, I'm, I'm speculating, but I think it's safe to say because uh, there's a special little something I want to talk about the first time you got to see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Uh, but uh, I, And I have seen it twice, so I suspect it's going to be the majority of our, of our topic of discussion tonight. Uh, however, I was just curious because I have an interesting bit to share, but I'm just wondering, and, and this is going cold, everybody. Tony has absolutely no idea that I'm going to ask him about this, but... Uh, is there uh, any way uh, in the past week that technology has helped your life? Is there any technology story you may have on the top of your head that you'd like to share with our wonderful audience? Because I have a frustrating technology story that I could share, but I'll save it in case you have one first. Technology? I, you 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 caught me off guard. That's like, the whole point, even... man. I am look. I I I like a certain bit of spontaneity and especially when i know for a fact that uh in this particular episode we're going to be very very media centric you know uh but what some of the things we can also talk about because they are a few weeks old now in a spoiler free fashion that i would like to get into uh, even though i don't believe you watched picard i did i have some thoughts on it and if uh, you're listening to this and you weren't aware if you listened to the last episode of fat man beyond you can hear my thoughts on picard there as well uh, as well as The Mandalorian, but you and I, you know, we watched The Mandalorian as well, so we have our thoughts there uh, that I know I haven't shared. But technology-wise, it's okay if you haven't had a tech story. Me, I have tech frustration, and unfortunately, it's because of these stupid robots behind me once again. You'll notice that my set, Tony, has has changed a little bit, if you will. There is a new shelf here. There is more space for the robots to roam 
Uh, and actually, one of my emo robots is standing on what I have been very excitedly waiting for, which is the emo home station, right? So this is the box with uh, out an emo, and it just came with the home station. And my biggest complaint for the longest time, and the reason why I've always said the vector robots are better than the emo robots, is because is because the vector robots, as you can see, they have they have their charging station, but have the ability to just autonomously roam. They are a literal digital pet. You don't need to uh, do anything for them with an app other than the initial configuration. Uh, but you know they can get out and wander. And and I'm discovering if you give them more space, you need to have their uh, charging stations in a way obvious place for them to be able to identify. So we will be mm -hmm. swapping things out. But now, finally, Emo is on even ground because with the home base, I have discovered he likes to roam. He, he will roam. They will come off of the base station and walk around and, and act and take themselves back to charge as well. Just the same way the vector robots did. But, but, but aren't the emos like, isn't their mobility a little bit more limited than the vector robots? Because it just, they don't seem to be like, I haven't watched some of your videos where they're walking around. Like, I can't imagine they're going to get very far. Well, they're not as fast as a vector robot. I'm going to tell you that right now because the vector robots have a belt-driven system like a tank. Uh, and so they can zip around pretty darn fast. The emo robots, they do a walking motion. And they don't have a running mode. They have one speed, and that is emo walking speed. That is it. Hey, emo, go for a walk. Something tells me this is going to be reminiscent to like the mousers from the Ninja Turtles cartoon. <laughs> hey, Emo, leave your home. Sometimes it takes a command, sometimes it doesn't. I don't care. I'm not going to spend the entire program trying to get this thing to move around. Um, so, Especially so, since they seem to respond when you don't want them to. Yes, that's what they do. Actually, I am a little disappointed now that the home station is here and it's done the whole syncing up thing. This one that you can still see on the, uh, if you're watching the video, the one that's still standing on the skateboard, because yep. I've got another home station, but naturally I haven't set it up because content. Uh, so it is, you laugh, but you laugh because you know it's true. You understand completely, my friend. And that's what oh I like about that. Oh my so much. Uh, yeah. So uh, this one here, if you say the wake word, which is emo. He'll stay, still say what, which is my favorite one. It's kind of a muffled, huh? Like that. This mm -hmm. one now will do the same eye motion, but it's a little slower. And he goes, hmm? I want my old, I, I want my old what back. Okay. I want my old what back. I don't like it. No, 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 no. Don't like it. Anyway. So you would think now that I have given them this palatial space to sit in or to traverse, right? that I would have less problems. Now, the reason why there is a new table isn't because I'm generous and I wanted the robots to have more space. I'm not that kind of guy, okay? I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'll do it for my real pets, but these are, these are like graduated uh, Tamagotchis. So really, it shouldn't be a major investment in setting things up for them. However, the old place that they were standing on was a blacktop. Because of that, the emo wouldn't walk off the home base because the surface that we could potentially go to was too dark. It sensed it may be on an edge, and it was like, nope, I'm safe right here. I'm not going anywhere. 
Also, you mm -hmm. will have noticed now that the vector robots have pushed their little blocks right in the way of that thing being able to get off. It's, I, it's a conspiracy, I swear it's to God. It's a rivalry. I swear. You know, the other day, Tony, they they literally pushed the emo robot off the, the table back there. The vector robots pushed it off. It's it's a turf war, I know, and I've set this up. I feel bad. Anyway, the uh, vector robot wouldn't step off of that. Now, there's one of two ways that you could go. You could spend, what? probably six bucks on some contact paper, some shelf liner, and make a black tot white so there would be a non-issue. But again, I figured more space, get a better desk, and yeah, I know I need I have cable management issues right now, but this was all set up quickly. I was going to say something, but I'm glad you did. But honestly, yeah. uh, there's a, the, a Nerd Initiative sign right here, which is covering up those those cables. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm in the same boat. Same, thank, I feel, I, thank you. Because it's one of two things. It's either do this or put back up the discretionary curtain, but along the backside this time. Uh, but this was all set up quickly. Like, literally, I moved things out so this space looked the way it looks for right now. Uh, so, uh, but it, I could go with the contact paper, but instead I decided, you know what, I could have more space. I could start showing more things here once I get my cable worked out and all that jazz. I just figured, you know, a little more space wouldn't be bad, especially if they're going to be roaming around. But then I discovered I've set up a torture surface instead because this is a virtual wood that's texturized, right? And mm -hmm. so when the emo's wandering around, suddenly he'll keep screaming and say, huh? And back up because he's hitting the grooves in the dark spots and he thinks he's, he's constantly walking over holes. <laughs> yeah, this is... And, and so guess what? I am right back to contact paper. I was about to say, yep. I've gone full circle on my journey. So technology is abysmal. Technology sucks, but I also am hopelessly addicted to it. And no, I I don't care what you say. I didn't spend my patrons' hard-earned dollars that they give to us over at patreon.com slash netheadsonair. I did not spend that on a lunar robot. I didn't. I swear I didn't. I'm lying. I did. Let's move on. So uh, later, if you after the show, uh, instead of my usual typical thing of, oh, well, I've got to do laundry. No, I'm going to be lining the shelf with this nice gray and white hexagon pattern because I figured that's at least a little robotic. And then the last thing I'm waiting for, because I'm tired of these things also going over the edge. I'm hoping the contact paper fixes it a little bit. But the last thing I am doing is I've also ordered some of that ultra dark black felt paper or felt tape that you can get one inch felt tape okay that like if you made your own home projection screen you could go ahead and use that as the immediate border around it so that way it would absorb any light bleed from your projector from your screen there right so uh the idea is that hopefully if it's as non-reflective as possible because these things just have little they have infrared scanners on the bottom yeah. So if the light's not reflected back, it senses that there's a hole. So I'm hoping that not only am I putting contact paper down for my robots, but I'm hoping to set up a one-inch border around the table and then oh, actually... Get near anywhere to the edge. Yeah. The edge. That's great. And if, if that doesn't work, then at least I'll have a non-permanent surface to glue all of my wonderful paddock fencing to. So this is... What has my life become because of are you, robots? Are you going to paint the paddock fencing? Yeah, yeah. I... I <laughs> Yeah, of course. I've also spent money on a stupid airbrush kit, so that way I can I can you know. You need paint to get little red red LEDs that flash as well. Oh, along the tops. 
Yes. So oh, it that's shows good, that they're charging. Oh, that's a good yeah. idea. That's that's real yeah. cheap and easy too. But it's still always just money. Why am I? My kids won't go to college, but my robots will have a very nice place. That's good. Yeah. That's very helpful. No, it, it, you you hope like you hope your your kid wants to get into a trade where they don't have to go to college at this point now and now in this day and time. Don't don't get me started, man. Because my kid <laughs> asked me. She asked me simple questions where I'm supposed to convey good, and I'm talking about my 19 year old. The eight year old isn't asking me about how mortgages work, right? But then, you know, she asks a simple question like, how do mortgages work? And what if you wanted to buy a second property and rent it? How does that work? Who pays for that? And instead, she ends up getting a diatribe about how schooling is nothing but indoctrination of a workforce. And it's all about the rich people keeping us, the middlemen, down. And, you know, she's just like, I just wanted to understand how you might be able to buy a second home. That's all I wanted to know. So, yeah, don't get me started. Um, <laughs> Zach's also wanting to know when I'm going to score the uh, Harbor Freight Tools sponsor sponsorship. I don't know, man. We'll see. But that is where I bought my airbrush kit and compressor. Anyway, Tony, I although we do have uh, the topic of the show really is going to be Guardians of the Galaxy. Volume yeah. three today, and we're not going to get into spoilers until the back half. So, if you want to enjoy some great conversation just about the movie, know that you're this is a safe space for at least the next 15 to 20 minutes. Okay, uh, I'm talking to the audience, not you. I, I hope you understand that it's a safe space, but I hope so. Yeah, um, by the way, I love your, your Avengers Univore themed uh jersey there. That is dope. Where did you get that? Uh, this is Box Lunch. Very nice. Someone who never has asked to sponsor me, <laughs> but it's yes. This is uh, this is a box lunch. Uh, Stark Industries uh, jersey. It's got the it's, it says uh, Stark on the back, and it's got I don't even, I don't even remember what the numbers are. Mm -hmm. But but if you think yeah, it's pretty. Cool. But if you think about it, it's also very reminiscent in in just the color choices and the styling of the uh, the time travel uniforms from Endgame. Anyway, I mm -hmm. I, I pedant and I uh, I I have regrets. Uh, so, uh, but what I really wanted to talk to you more of than about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 was about something very amazing and interesting that happens. Now, for those that are not aware, if this is your very first episode of NetHeads, great, thank you, welcome. Uh, also, you should know, however, that uh, Tony and I met through uh, the evilest of, of apps on uh, and biggest threat to American security, TikTok. And it was uh, through there that we got to know one, each, one another. I followed him because of his Marvel content. He probably followed me for the robots because that's what everybody follows for. And uh, that's where our friendship developed. Now, uh, it just so happens, though, that one of the things that people that are in the entertainment segment of TikTok, especially the movie segment of TikTok, one of the things that they focus on, one of the driving forces, one of the things they strive for, in my opinion, and I could be wrong, is the ability to make their way over to movie premieres. They love being invited to movie premieres, getting to movie premieres. It is the badge of honor, being able to get to a movie premiere. And yeah. it just so happens, not through TikTok, however, oh, maybe a little, but not through TikTok directly. Well, why don't, why don't you tell your story? Uh, Tony, where were you the first time you saw Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? Oh, well, I was at the red carpet in Los Angeles, uh -huh. and it was uh -huh. and it was the not, what the what carpet? <laughs> I'm sorry, the purple carpet. It Thank was you. not the red carpet. It was the purple carpet, um, to which my son constantly reminded me of I, when we kept saying we're going to the red carpet. We're going to the red carpet. We go in there. He goes, Dad, this isn't the red carpet. It's the purple carpet. Where's the red carpet? 
I'm like, son, I'm I'm sorry. Just get over it. It's you know. I failed you, boy. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, but I had to explain to him that the red carpet is is technically it's just a, a phrase for you know the 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 runway like you go down and you like the, for the media and press and you know for celebrities to show themselves off and and everything. But um, yeah, so this did not come through TikTok. Now it might have because um, TikTok was referenced when I was being approached by by ABC, um, but I know. Um, that my partner, Michael Rothman had something to do with it um, because my name kind of got in the mix uh, with a, with a number of people um, with ABC uh, for a second that they were doing for GMA. And they made me believe that we were doing a trivia uh, contest and it was with my, my son and I, and of course, you know, my son's um, has hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. And so there is a drive, you know, there is a, a pull for people I guess it, kind of a, uh, an encouraging story and everything there's a else. Human, and just, in the business, that yeah. you would say there's a human interest story. And also to clarify as well, even though I met Tony through TikTok, he is the co-founder of an amazing website called The Nerd Initiative. And I just want to clarify, his partner is in The Nerd Initiative, Michael. Uh, Michael Rothman is his partner in The Nerd Initiative. Uh, Tony does have a wife that is his partner in life. So I just wanted to clarify that point. Although the the lines seem to blur sometimes because in Instagram they were just asking me like the anonymous questions, and one of them was you know, you know um, who you know how often do you text your wife? And I'm like, yeah, I actually text my partner Michael Rothman more than I text my wife, and and so the bromance can be real sometimes. Very and that's much okay. so. Very much so. Um, you know, we we we've joked about like uh, like strategy planners and stuff. It you know when we when we plan to meet with them, it's more like couples counseling than anything. But yeah, so we, we, we did all that and um, it was very interesting. And of course there's that human element. So they definitely went that they asked a lot about nerd initiative, but they did nothing about it on the segment, which was, which was perfectly fine. Um, but I'll tell you, it was a little bit sneaky because they, they had us prepared for this. And so of course, as a dad, we're going to do trivia on guardians of the galaxy. And I want to win whatever the prize is. My son and I went back and forth drilling each other on guardians trivia even to the point of where he even like and i love that he did this when they asked him a question on good morning america one of the things he did was he told them that rocket is Groot's dad and i'm like my my boy picked up on the trivia <laughs> stuff because we were talking about infinity war and everything else mm -hmm. and so of course he stole the show um and there was no trivia contest which which helped because i was even though i really enjoyed jade rogers who um, if you didn't see the segment, she was one of the she was the other winner of the of the the, the red carpet you know invitation. Um, she is the she is the the founder, and then she's also the chief creative officer for um, House of Afros Capes and Curls, which we recently just interviewed on Fandoms, and it's literally a um, it's a a organization that is focused on helping mainly people in in Nebraska who could not find a fandom, like, they could not find like-minded people. It's a place for them. Um, it's definitely um, uh, definitely focused for people of color, but it's not just exclusive to that. It's, it's inclusive to everyone. Um, they're, she, she's doing something that's fantastic with like a historical element to it and everything else. And so we became really, really quick friends on, in, the, in the green room. And then, uh, of course, we, we, like I sat next to her at the, uh, at the premiere, and um, like we, we were just kind of, we were we were so out of place we didn't know what to do. 
Strawhat was there, Koyjandra was there, Tropical Joe and other other creators. I saw Amanda's just vibing. And it was fun. Like we took pictures and stuff like that. But after a while, you know, Strawhat's doing his thing over here. Amanda's doing the, her thing in there. Um, and then I'm like like with Jade because I wasn't there as a social media creator. I was there as a, you know, as this giveaway winner. And so we just sat around and just tried to talk to the celebrities as much as we could. And it was, it was definitely a very, a very exciting thing, but I will tell you this. And I think this is something where I would advise creators to be very careful when they focus on wanting to go to these red carpets. My situation was very different, but for a lot of people, when you go there, it's either work or it's in celebration of something that you accomplish. If you go in there and act like you own the place and you're not doing one of those two things, it can be very upsetting for people because there these are th- this is not only for the celebrities, but this is the cast and crew and the people who worked on this movie to celebrate what they've accomplished and what they've done. And you could feel it when you're in the movie theater watching the movie with them. They're, I mean, they're they're cheering for every single name that's on the screen. They're they're excited for the appearance of every single individual. Like this was very much a celebration of we did it, we've accomplished this. And for us to want to just go in as content creators because we feel like we 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 deserve this because we made content, that's a skewed because we didn't work on the film. We don't deserve to be there. It's a great opportunity when the studios invite you. But we got to be very, very careful to be respectful and to to really focus on being excited for them, not trying to get what we can get out of it. I got to tell you, man, I am I am extremely proud of you because that is so very profound, yet also very, very true. It is a a, a movie premiere is a party for the people that created and worked on the project. It is their moment to celebrate their accomplishment, this thing now being out in the world, and it is their moment not to shine, but just to revel in the wonder of having completed that journey together. Um, So that is a very profound statement, and I, I have to say that I am now even more honored to call you a friend that you, on your very first uh, premiere night, uh, took that in. Me, I've only been to, I think, two Hollywood premieres in both cases. I felt I didn't deserve to be there. I enjoyed being there, and I also felt incredibly awkward being there. So, mm-hmm. you know, at, for me, I was never really kind of uh, squashing anyone's moment or ruining anything for them. However, uh, I can definitely see how that could happen, you know, where if a content creator were there and, you know, now they're more interested in trying to, you know, to get a moment that might go viral afterwards and the like, uh, you know, I could see how that could really sour some people. And I, and I think the only person you might be safe with that from would be Chris Pratt, who just seems to be cordial and amazingly nice to every single human being that he interacts with, which by the way, congratulations as well. So the first time you saw the completed movie is also, as I understand it from an interview he gave, was the first time he saw the movie because he wanted to see it with everyone else and experience it with them as well. So all that said, what is the atmosphere in the room like? You've already given us a little insight. You know, the everyone's cheering every single name as it's coming up on screen and the like. But, you know, what is the energy in that room? Because I got to admit, the room really plays into my experience. I saw Endgame 
on a very poorly lit, smudgy screen, but I was with an opening day crowd that was there for it, if you know what I mean. So that helped yep. elevate it for me. Whereas when I went to see Guardians on Thursday, man, that was a dead crowd. And that impacted my experience of the movie. So what was it like in the room when you saw it the first time? Well, let me just say this. First of all, it was very intimidating just being in the theater because literally the end of my aisle, Jade, Jade nudges me and she goes, Tony, I go, what? She goes, do you see who's down at the edge of the aisle? And I'm looking, I'm like, okay. And she goes, that's Jeffrey Wright. And I'm like, and I couldn't remember at first. And then I'm like, oh, like Hunger Games and like tons of other stuff, like, like Jeffrey Wright, like, and she's like freaking out. And, and I'm like, and then I, I started looking around. Socha Gomez is down here. Iman Vellani is over on the side. Like, like there are, there are, there are celebrities within Marvel studios that are just sitting around us. And I mean, it, let me just be honest with you. The Dolby, the Dolby theater, the, the, the mezzanine is not a comfortable area to sit. Mm -hmm. um, the, the seats are kind of close together. At some point I, I, I joke with Jade. I'm like, I'm going to just put my arm around you because that's the only way I'm going to fit in this seat. But we we made it work. We kind of like, you know, I found my space. I'm a big guy, um, which is also why I think in some cases people say, well, how come I've got so many, you know, number of followers on TikTok and stuff? Why don't I get invited to premieres? One, it could be because of, you know, the type of content you make. Just understand that. But two, it also is convenience for for us, for us to go there. We had to fly across the country. Like Mark's not going to just pay for mm -hmm. a content creator with a couple thousand people to go see a movie. It's a lot easier if you're closer and you live closer um, or you have a PR person. Mm -hmm. um, but it was amazing. Like seeing the celebrities around us, there was just excitement in the air. Like everyone was just super excited. They gave us, you know, they give you free beverages and, and a free bucket of popcorn, which I couldn't eat. And I was trying not to drink for the sake of, I didn't want to get up and try to go pee while mm -hmm. all of this is going on. Hmm. But when, if you go, I did an article about the experience. I actually um, filmed um, Kevin Feige and James Gunn being, you know, brought on stage and Louis Espinese Esposito. And then they announced um, the cat, the, the cast of, you know, the main cast and the screen comes up. They've got hooked on a feeling playing and they're, you know, you've got Will Poulter and uh, Chikudi Awuji and, uh, Paul McClintiff and Karen Gillan and all of them, and they're calling them out and they, they come forward. And James gave this really rousing speech about how, you know, 12 years ago he met with, uh, with Louis Esposito and Kevin Feige about the film um, and about what he, what his vision was. And it was just an amazing journey. I mean, just, you could tell um Gunn was very, very like happy and excited and thankful. And he really like laid it on about Chris Pratt that this wouldn't have happened without him. Um, and you know, because they have a very special bond, um, which is which is very interesting. And and everyone is going nuts. And then as the film is playing, I, I if you've ever watched those videos of Endgame when like when like the, the when Mjolnir gets picked up and mm -hmm. all of a sudden you see it come back to to Steve Rogers and everyone's like yeah and when he finally says like Avengers assemble that is nothing compared to the electricity in that red in, in that premiere I I to, to people who who gave blood sweat and tears 
to make this movie happen, who were excited for it, and then able to see what James Gunn did as the final cut for the film and all of the work they've done and the many years that they worked together for this. And then all of a sudden they're just, they're just seeing it and they're excited. It was just constant cheering and, and laughing and, and it wasn't, it wasn't uncalled for. And like, he made you, I've never wanted to just sit and start yelling in a film, like, like cheering on the characters, but because of the atmosphere, I had no problem doing that. <laughs> and it was it was one of those things where it, I have never been in a theater and experienced it like that. It's just never been that way. And you, it's you, just, it you've just never crazy. seen a Marvel movie with me because regardless of the crowd, look, there is a part in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 where a character says their name. But it's the first time they say your, their name and it's more comic accurate. And I sitting in that dead Dolby cinema that I referred to probably embarrassed the hell of my daughter, hell out of my daughter, because I literally just screamed out after the, he says his name. I said, hell yeah, because I was just so thrilled for that moment. Everybody's been saying that. Everyone's been saying that. But, But here's the thing. I didn't even, I didn't even wait to yell at that point. It was when I, when he, when, when he opened a certain container and he saw the label on it. Mm-hmm. Like that was really like, yeah, like, like it, it was exciting. So yeah, absolutely. I've, I've never, I'm usually quiet and reserved. Like I knew I was going to cry in this film, but I didn't think I was going to be cheering as loud as I was. That's my I'm, wife. I'm so glad cheers. to hear that. I'm yeah, so my glad wife to hear cheers that. and is inappropriate, but like, and I'm like, Shh, quiet, quiet. But I was, and again, at the same time, We've been waiting for this film for five years. This film almost didn't get created with the vision. You know, it was going to be, it was going to still be the script, but it wasn't going to have the director. And there was a whole big drama with that. At, you know, basically 2018 to 2019 was like the worst time of my life because the the franchise that I loved most within the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the, the Guardians of the Galaxy, lost their director. And it looked like we were never going to see it come to fruition the way he intended it. And it was so it was so bonkers for me because if you go back and watch Infinity Wars, um, the director comment like not the commentary, but like there, there's like a director's roundtable um, in the the special edition. You'll you'll see all of the directors, Coogler, um, the Russo brothers, um, Taika Waititi, all of them are just praising James Gunn because he helped kind of build a standard. For the films mm-hmm. and for him to be removed and then you know not get his vision it would it, would, it was it was it was traumatizing to the point of where i was one of the individuals who helped pay for a billboard outside of burbank saying disney saved the galaxy rehire james gunn god damn right so i'm totally with it you was, yeah yeah i mean i and not to make this about me but i i will just remember that my first incredible experience being able to go to San Diego Comic-Con was severely hampered by the by essentially day one. So after preview night, I think I think it happened. It dropped on Thursday of that year. That uh, So that was 2018, wasn't it? Uh, it dropped that year that – or it dropped on that day that, that James Gunn had been let go because of controversial treats, tweets from – 
years ago when he considered himself more of a provocateur, if you will. And it was because he was working for Troma and Troma encouraged them to do that type of, of social media, right. You know, humor. And it was crazy. Cause I'll tell you right now, it was, it was so off the wall because um, even Sony pulled him because he was supposed to be doing press for Brightburn. Um, like that that next day and they pulled it from from comic-con that year and and so like it was it, it like i i literally i remember feeling sick like even when they were talking when 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 disney and sony fell out of talks when they were after far from home and we were almost not going to get a no way home like that was upsetting but like the james gunn thing i felt like i felt like the wind was taken out of me Hey, man, let me just jump in here for a sec to remind you, jayandsilentbob.com, ladies and gentlemen. You want to buy anything Clerks-related, anything Jay and Silent Bob-related, anything Kevin Smith-related, go to jayandsilentbob.com. Now back to the show. It was crazy. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and, I think, get into the movie proper. Uh, let's get into it, spoilers and all. Uh, as much as we want, I don't feel like being too spoilery. It's still opening weekend, so I don't want to. I that's just me. You can do whatever you want. I don't want to get into the nitty gritty of plot points, but I will speak more about direction uh, and mm -hmm. the things that we got out of this movie. Now, one of the things that I think has already been obvious in the press and that people have seen the movie, they kind of refer to how it has somewhat of a darker tone. My wife saw it the first time this morning. Uh, 11 o'clock screening and you know for her it there wasn't in her opinion as much humor and levity as the previous two installments and it was a little bit darker and I wonder personally I wonder if some of the elements like she highlighted the amount of swearing in it but I wonder if some of those elements in a way uh, may not have existed in the final version of the product, if we had gotten this movie on the schedule, we were supposed to get it on. In other words, James Gunn, when he was making this movie, probably knew goddamn well that it was his last movie with Marvel and that his career was going in a different direction. And so I, and based on everything that had occurred, I wonder if some of those elements kind of came out in the art, if you will. What's your opinion? I actually personally think that some of what we had touched on just a few minutes ago about what happened to Gunn, where he lost his contract with Marvel, he ended up going over to DC, um, and we knowing and knowing that this was going to be the last. See, Gunn was going to have a long career with Marvel, and so it was it was conducive for him to kind of stay within the House of Mouse and the style and the tone that they do. Um, but I also feel like this was also Marvel's way of saying, you know, James, we did you wrong. We wish you the best. Make what you want. And he even said, like, the, the F-bomb in on Counter-Earth was never in the script. That was completely, that was completely ad-lib. And he even didn't think it was going to make it. And so at it was it was a it was a surprise to him as much as it was, I think, to anybody who who heard it, that he you know, he got away with some of those things. Um, and I, I do agree. As for the tone, I think I think the 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 darkness, like some of the brutality, especially in the opening action sequence, um, had a lot to do with the misdirect with James. 
Like, I think he all, I think when he wrote this, he knew that we all expected. And again, spoiler for anybody who hasn't seen it, you don't need to be listening. Hold, hold on, wait a minute. Before you say, so, yeah. I, I will yeah. point out, contrary to what you're about to say, there is a death in this movie, and it is a character that's been in the franchise. Okay? So that does happen. But, you know, it it's not where you think it is. So I'll just, that's my input. But go ahead. Yeah. So So everyone expected the Guardians team... All of them, if not most of them, to die. Yeah. And and so he with what he intended, and I'll tell you something right now, like it was it was off brand for James Gunn to do what he did, but at the same time, because it was off brand, it was so on brand for him that he he's more about the emotional effect than to do what's expected of him. And so it made perfect sense, but 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 the brutality. Nebula's arm being broken, um, Drax being just laid in waste, and them having to heal him, and and I'm sorry, I like like there everybody's like, well, where was where was Quill's mask? Gun, if you don't if you're not on Twitter, and I'm sorry because let's let's face it, Elon Musk is not doing us a favor when nope. it comes to Twitter. No, he's not. The only good thing about Twitter right now is James Gunn, um, and if you <laughs> haven't followed James Gunn on Twitter, you should be. Because the dude is answering all of your questions. Like he does this all the time. Yep. He yep. is the most responsive man. And there's a couple of things that he has said. Um, why did Peter Quill not have his helmet? Because they were in a rush to save their friend. There was no time to go to his desk and grab his helmet. Because if you noted when we first saw Peter, Peter was in a disheveled state. He wasn't really prepared. The suits are on the ship, but Peter's specific stuff, all he was able to grab onto was the element guns. Yep. And so, so, and then, and then at the same time, it was like, well, where was his uh, rocket boots? Because they could have definitely been useful at the end. Rocket made a more superior jetpack. Why would he even need the boots anymore? And like, there are things like he does that. There's just their logical answers to stuff. And of course, the question of all that end the, um, the, the, the statement that we all understood, which we weren't expecting to understand because we've never heard them say anything than three words. Well, four words, if you count in you know, the first guardians, when it was the pre predecessor, um, that it was us coming to the point where we emotionally understood that character, just like the guardians do. That's like, that's exactly what I t look guys. We don't need to tap dance around it. There's a certain point where we completely understand the words that Groot say, he says yep. something and you're like, what was that? And, it's literally happens right after a scene where another character hears him say, I am Groot and knows what he's saying. So it's not like we weren't hand fed that info when it happens in the movie. So thank you. Right. I did not catch that, but thank you because that made it that that's where I went with it. Well, I'm gonna give a big shout out to Brian fantastic because he's actually the first person that noticed it. Um, like he was like he's the first person I saw on social media that noticed it other than like, I was like, like stewing around, but he's the one that first said it. So I got to give him credit. Um, but literally James Gunn comes and admits you have, it's not him speaking English or, you know, speaking whatever the translators can work with. Um, it is, it is, we have come to a point with these guardians that we understood what he said. And, and at that point, does that also mean that we're not really going to get Groot again? Because, are we going to completely understand him moving forward or are we going to 
not get him or or what but there's a lot of there's a lot of things there's, you can like yeah there's you know, a lot there's him. a lot in there but yeah that's the I, I'm I'm super glad that other people interpreted it that way too because I'm like no wait a second he's not just suddenly speaking straight words and dropping bars no hey man I really misdirected there uh, but uh, it it was us understanding the character just as well as they do another thing that I will say and I apologize for this in advance but I do love the brilliance of this script this movie having several misdirects because we're all anticipating somebody to get clocked. And there is an opportunity in this movie where just about every one of the guardians is in a life threatening or a seemingly life threatened situation that they could not, might not come back from. So yep. uh, I, I really, I really enjoyed that. And I will say too, I don't know if it was because I was seeing it the second time or if it was because I already got past the bad ex audience experience because I expect a higher look, man. Endgame really set the bar for me to to know what I can expect from my fellow nerds in the area. And if they don't come through, yeah. I'm disappointed in them. I really am. And they did not come through. But uh, I don't I don't know if it was because of that or if it was because I've already experienced the movie, but I had a stronger emotional reaction to the movie the second time I watched it and I had a much better experience with the movie the second time that I watched it and I again I it's probably because I now already know the narrative so I'm able to enjoy the nuance but there was just so much in this movie that I loved my wife and my daughter ranked the Guardians movies in their order of favorites as one two three but honestly speaking Story-wise, for me, it's one, three, two. I really thoroughly loved Volume 3. I think it hit a lot of points. And considering it is the last Guardians movie that we are going to see as this team exists, mm -hmm. I love that this movie also addressed one of my major freaking complaints about this entire goddamn series since scene one of episode one of volume one. And that is I along this entire way being a parent. Okay. And not mm -hmm. yet knowing what it is like to have a grandchild. I had such pain in my heart for grandpa Quill because this guy on the same night watches his daughter die. And then his grandson, his only other connection to his daughter vanishes. And that has irked me so much for yeah. nearly a decade and now i will tell you guys there is closure in this new movie and for me that was such a wonderful wonderful moment and such a great payoff and in, in using the business terms that always go around it was a great job of closing the loop i just thoroughly loved that oh absolutely um i i think i think the, the great part about this was it gave so much character development for each and in each individual guardians character. And it, it, it brought back. And, and again, you said, you know, your one, two, three for your, your wife and daughter, you know, um, uh, what was it? One, three, two, one, three, two for me. Yeah. So for me, three is actually my favorite now. And it's specifically because it alters my perceptions of one and two. So for me, it's three, one, two, because when you when you when you once you see three and you really see the vision of what this whole trilogy was about 
it completely alters one and two for you. And, and for a movie to do that and it not feel forced is one of those things where you have to commend them for it. And at the same time, there's, there's the, there's the question of, you know, it, it was great. I mean, no way home. What do we get? We get not only a culmination of realizing that, that homecoming far from home and no way home were a trilogy, but they were an origin story trilogy, you know, and that was fantastic. And that was a great job. And the third one completely redefines the entire series. And I know where you're going with that because pre-show I told you one thing I love about guardians three, and this is where you're going. Go ahead and say it. I won't steal your words. No, go ahead and say it, because I'm like, I'm going to blank here. This one, <laughs> this movie completely redefines the entire Guardians trilogy, because in that moment, much in the same way, the first time you see Infinity War, and you're like, oh my god, they lost, but then you see Thanos sitting, enjoying the sunset on a, on a, on a, whatever he says, you know, that Thankful fun. universe. Thank you or very grateful much. Universe. Grateful universe. You realize, oh my gosh, Infinity War was Thanos's movie. It was his story. Yeah. Yeah. This movie, guys, I it, it this isn't a spoiler, I don't think. It it won't change the way you see this movie, but it makes you realize when you look at the overall character development that this was really all about the entire Guardian story is all about Rocket because you see him in the mm-hmm. first movie and he is completely jaded and yes, although he does have Groot, Groot's is the only thing, if you will, that he has entrusted friendship to. And even in Guardians 2, he has issues with maintaining a friendly relationship. So much so that his imperfections and his insecurities and his fears are what catapult us into the entire story of the second uh, second movie. The third movie is the culmination of that character's evolution through all three films. And it's finally mm-hmm. him coming truly to the point of acceptance, acknowledgement, and healing, as well as mm-hmm. being able to overcome his past to live his future. And it just, it it brought me to tears. It's almost bringing me to tears now. Well, one of the things I was really thankful for in this film was that I actually had a theory that was right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you like it's you either, you either are spot on when it comes to Marvel movies or it's like, you've been watching something different, but I I, like one of the things I did, what we were at C2E2. um, I had this out of my head and I'm like, I'm like, this is going to be controversial because if I, if I'm wrong, everyone's going to go back to that video and be like, you're an idiot. You're wrong. Blah, blah, blah. And, and I went and I said, Rocket will not actually die in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and here's why. And one of the, the, the things that I picked on was they're doing flashbacks. They're doing an origin for, for Rocket. And the only other character that we've had flashbacks or origins for was Peter Quill. Mm-hmm. Peter Quill and Rocket are very parallel characters. It almost makes you think the whole story is about Peter, but it's not. Peter is the vehicle for part of Rocket's healing. Um, even with the point of like when you see in volume two, when Peter is looking, is is remembering the moments that he he loves or that he that he finds as his favorite things. There's one where Yandu's teaching him how to shoot his uh, element gun. Um, there's a picture of uh, there's a, a scene of him and his mom in a field of grass listening to music. And there's a scene of him and Rocket flying with the jetpacks. Well, the correction. Aerobacks. 
And I did not pick this up until, uh, actually it was Straw Hat Goofy's video where he brought that up. And my response to his video was, stop making me cry watching TikTok. Uh, but if yeah. you look at the moment they're in the air, and I never picked up on this until I saw it as a still shot, because I'm so focused on their faces and them sharing their joy, Rocket and Peter, uh, mm -hmm. Groot's actually on his shoulder in that scene. Oh, I didn't even notice that. See? Yeah. Thank you. God, you make me feel better because the things I just don't notice. Um, but yeah, congratulations on that. And that is the exact same reason why I don't put any theories out on video. Like recently, I had an epiphany, and I may have mentioned it on a previous installment of NetHeads as well. Um, and it's the only theory I think I've gone on record if I have said that. And it's uh, the whole thing, uh, finding out how Phase uh, 7 is going to finalize in a second Avengers movie off the, after the Kang Dynasty titled Secret Wars. And uh, there have been different interpretations of the Beyonder or the Beyonders in the different Secret Wars sagas. Because, uh, mm -hmm. you know, there was the 80s run that's My Secret Wars. There was a later one either in the 90s or the aughts that was a, another Secret Wars, but now there is a race known as the Beyonders or whatever. Uh, but for mm -hmm. me, it's always the Beyonder. And who knows what source material they're going to. But I've always tried to imagine where the Eternals play into... It had to have been on here because I was talking with this you before... with to you about this yeah. before uh but you know the beyonder is a concept very hard to understand but if instead mm -hmm. you supplement beyonder with the it with the um uh celestials uh now it makes a little more sense where if the final judgment the celestial that was pissed off because we killed the birthing celestial Arashim, yeah Arashim, uh if he's going to come back and judge humans and then look at good versus evil assembling a battle planet where heroes and villains battle it out to understand or see who is more dominant would be something that would make sense and that's like the only theory i've ever put on record because it just scares me ever even trying to conceptualize that yeah yeah absolutely and i i just think it's there's 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 so many concepts that we're gonna we're we're like like this is i think everybody's like like trying to figure out like you know, why was the Celestial never mentioned? You know, what's going to happen with the Celestials with like Arashim and everything else? We don't even know how all of these movies really fit into the MCU timeline yeah. from phase four and five um, until September 7th. September 7th, we should have a relatively definitive idea of how um, the timeline runs because Marvel has authorized a book to go oh. about and uh, i haven't i actually along with the uh the scott lang uh, looking out for the little guy i've got um i've got the the mcu timeline book on pre-order for amazon so if you're interested look that up online we should have an answer because i'm getting tired of people online saying oh you know i know how all this fits and because again love and thunder we had an adolescent groot um or at least the the teen groot still and then all of a sudden, this movie, they're like, yeah, it's only a couple months different. I'm like, no, it's not. Um, Love and Thunder happened a couple months after uh, Endgame. But when it comes down to like where Endgame, or I'm sorry, where Volume 3 runs, it could be years after. Yeah, we and really don't know. But that brings me to an interesting thing that I don't know if you mentioned it or is it just something? Because I, I, other people's ideas seem to act like seeds in my head. And I'm not sure whose ideas are mine and whose ideas are other people's. But um, first Just of all, there, for yourself. there is a what? 
just claim them all for yourself. It's good, a good idea. I shall do that in the future. Um, the, first of all, after the very first, uh, for those that don't know, Adam Warlock is in this movie, but they just call him Adam. And which, by the way, it wasn't until the second viewing that I saw that there is literally a moment in this film that mirrors. Uh, it was I don't know if it was Da Vinci or Michelangelo's uh, painting with with yes. God and and Adam. And I, I laughed to myself when that moment happened the second time because I realized, hey, haha, wink, wink. I saw that too. Yeah, I get it. Uh, but uh, first of all, the Adam Warlock we get in this film, I'm okay with, uh, only because you know it. They they made good reason for it to happen, and it adds to the element. We've always kind of gotten these sideways takes on characters, and that's fine. Um, but all that aside, the the idea that I thought. Uh, because there is, after that confrontation, the first one with Adam, there is a nightmare fuel moment with Groot that just, it just, him moving around after that battle, nightmare fuel scared the hell yes. out of me. But the yes. next thing that he goes to do, and if you think about it, in Guardians 2, there was all of that hostility between Drax and baby Groot until near the end of the movie, where, you know, after everything that's happened, Groot is he goes now and lays in, and falls asleep on him. Yeah, yeah, he's endeared to Drax. And the first person that he looks into comfort after that battle, even in his nightmare form, in my opinion, is Drax. And it was at that moment I realized, because, you know, Groot has the ability to influence how he appears. And that's why I think we get the more swole Groot, as I like to call him, because he modeled himself after Drax in some fashion. Yeah, and that, you know that's actually probably something we could uh, add James Gunn on, on Twitter and see if he'll answer and see if that's true. And that could very possibly be exactly what it's about. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but but yeah, I mean that's that's what's what's amazing about about all of that. I mean, even even that scene, how brutal it was, like seeing how they all like they all hold each other, and and I, I, I'm surprisingly, um, Nebula was a a um what what do you call it it was a uh was an underdog in this film like i felt like she came out of nowhere i mean i really ended up liking her in endgame and then you have this back and forth where she's fitting in the team but she's kind of not fitting in the team and there's this idea that she's you know like you could tell she works really well with peter but not so well with drax and for her to make the the assumption and again i'm we're working on on spoilers here and stuff where she she goes, you were never meant to be a destroyer. You were meant to be a dad. Made me cry. And, oh, my goodness, yes. And then for him to do what he did um, with those kids, like, yep. that was just, like, yeah, we may never see him again. David Tisa is done with the character. But knowing that he has a legacy in the MCU as the father of the children of nowhere, I'm just going to start calling him that. Like that's just what I want to, want him to be known as. Like he is he is the father of the children of nowhere, and it 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 was phenomenal. I loved it, and I love that he got that story. That yes, Ofed and 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 his daughter Camaria are are able to rest because he avenged them, but then he found a new purpose with a newfound family. Like mm-hmm. absolutely amazing. Yeah, and absolutely great, and just one of the another one of those touching moments. Um, but I do have to wonder. Uh, in my heart of hearts, because I know his comments about n- there's twofold on Bautista not pl- wanting to play Drax anymore. One is 
the fact that playing the part is rather labor intensive in preparation. And they've addressed that with wardrobe now, which I think is great. And I think the other part of the reason the comments were made was, was kind of in the spurring of James Gunn. And I also don't think he has an interest in playing the character if it's not directed by James Gunn. And I respect that, but I still think there's the possibility we could get more Drax in the future. I think the door is open enough. One thing I will his say about concern was typecasting, though. Like, like he didn't like he didn't want his legacy to be known as a character that was at, was relatively dumb. And I think giving him like a father a father role actually opens him up for a little bit more of an in, like a more depth um, response. I think that's where they could go with this. Is well, if they do him, make him be more of that wise father that leads the you know the family. Well, and they had they did give him more depth and understanding in this movie. So much so that the words that are being spoken about him are hurtful, and Mantis then takes the memories away to make sure that he still maintains that that innocence about their friendship. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else was I going to say? I just had a thought, an epiphany, if you will. Uh, and now I have lost it. Oh, well, these things happen when you record. Was it about live. Batista coming back at some point, even though it's a. Oh, a, no, a but, but thank you. You did trigger that path for me. Uh, one, no, one of the things that I really liked about this movie, and I could be wrong. Please feel free to call me out on it. But this is really the first time, in my opinion, in watching the movies that we definitely had story elements that really required you watch the Disney Plus content in order to follow along. Because if you just went straight from volume two to volume three and you did not take in the holiday special, there are quite, well, there's at least two moments. There's a big bombshell that goes from volume two to volume three that never gets addressed unless you've seen. Yeah, and it's it's like right in the beginning of the movie. And... At, and uh, there's also an additional part that's uh, that's the end credit scene, which, by the way, I'm so glad you got to see the movie first because I didn't have to go out and Google. But I'm good about this now, knowing ahead of time how many post credit sequence there sequences there are. Because to call back your way earlier comment, these movies are getting longer, but I'm getting older. My bladder's getting smaller. I like literally when we went to go see it the second time. I learned from seeing it the first time. Just as the movie started, I set a one-hour timer on my watch. So that way, when it went off, I knew I was finally free and clear to start enjoying my soda. (laughs) Okay, now I have to ask you a question because I know one of the things that you did before this film was you were actively avoiding the Volume 3 soundtrack because you wanted it to kind of hit you, you know, at, at the time of the film. How do you feel about the Volume 3 soundtrack? How did it affect you? And how do the, you know, did, are any of those songs kind of like on your playlist now from it? Oh, first of all, uh, I have to say immediately after these movies come out, the soundtracks are a part of, they're not just my Spotify list. I full on purchase them and they are part of my permanent digital library. And Mm -hmm. I am glad I did what I did in the way that I did it because I was able to experience every one of these songs in the way that the creator wanted them to be included as part of the narrative. And mm-hmm. so it, it first of all, it, it definitely adds to the emotional impact. It definitely yep. hits me in the feels. And, uh, you know, or it really helps me be a part of the moment. And so yep. I, I really, really, really enjoyed my experience. Because I think 
I, I believe with volume two, I didn't do that. I believe the, the, it had come out in advance and I had seen all of the tracks that were on it. And I like, and if you guys want to know how serious I'm about this, I am always supportive of my friend, Tony. I always am. If I see he is live on TikTok, I will drop into that live and I will stay with him as long as I can be conscious for it. But he was building, oh gosh, what were you building? You were building the Sanctum Sanctorum, I believe. Yes, and you were listening to the Guardians 2 soundtrack. And I was like, dude, I don't mean to be a dick, but I got to go because <laughs> I'm blind to this soundtrack and I don't want to know. Tony, oh, yeah. I want to transition, however, because I want to discuss the most controversial thing for me about this movie. And okay. I know you know what I'm talking about because you have the evidence sitting right behind you. And that, my friend, is this goddamn AMC popcorn bucket debacle, if you will. Now, we've gotten to the point where they have ample supply. I don't have to worry about getting there at 10 a.m. in the morning to get the item. However... Yeah, the price point keeps it keeps it available. This one did. All of the popcorn buckets up to date have been $29.99. And I have... I have bought them with a grimace on my face, but I have gone through it. Yes, the Spider Bunny Kevin Conroy was all floor was also nightmare fuel. You know, we definitely got to see some of uh, James Gunn's demons really materialize in this movie. However, I'm talking about this popcorn bucket uh, and this damn thing right here. Now, this one, I, I think, comparatively speaking, I understand where it's coming from because it literally has a licensed character on it. It's not something that's representative. Now, for those that aren't aware in the past, there has been the the mystical popcorn vessel that was a representation of the runes or the whatever those things are that that doctors the, the runes of a shot like the it's the um the shambhala. There you go, the shambhala symbol. Yeah. So that was that one. Uh there was the the Black Panther Wakanda Forever one, which was just a bucket shaped in the Which had, is more reminiscent to what they do in Canada. Yeah, for their theaters. So, okay. Because they they did they, they did the very same thing for Guardians of the Galaxy up there. Oh, up there. So it looks like it's yeah, it's the exact same thing. It's just Guardians of the Galaxy. It's got the images of the characters on the sides. Yeah. Now, even even Ant Man, the uh, the Ant Man popcorn bucket was an Ant Man helmet. However, yeah, you know that's an interpretive thing for the movies. This but, is a is a licensed character. Okay, this mm -hmm. one is by far the coolest popcorn bucket. And all of my Patreon subscribers are probably going, oh, Will's going to get... No, there's no extra one of this. This one's mine, and that's it. And the reason <laughs> why... $49 freaking 99 I went into debt to get this goddamn thing. And you okay, want to know let, why? Let, let, let me... Because Hold on. Because, okay. one, this is an excellent character rendition of Rocket. So I thought that was great. I love that it's a Guardians-themed box. And it's also the perfect vessel to put my Zarg nuts in, okay? Yes! So, that's why I did it. But I'm telling you right now that unless something really freaking cool comes along, this is going to be the last popcorn I bucket I buy because okay, I'm not going to support me, this. Hold on, let me, let me just say something. Okay. For those of you who are fans, but you cannot see spending that price point, and I'm angry that I went there and I did not know about this because I would have gotten this too, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3, AMC Theaters, they have a collectible sandwich vessel. Oh, my god! it's only $4.99. Are you kidding me? And it looks like the suit. 
I was at the AMC. I didn't see. I didn't see Hayden or Harris. Originally, they were sold. They were being sold online for nine ninety nine. They've lowered them to four ninety nine. I guess you have to get it with a meal or something. I'm not sure. But um, I'm going to say this. Uh, I don't know how you feel about this. I actually wasn't super wild about Rocket's image on this, so I tried to add a little bit more white to his, mm. just to kind of give him more of the Rocket look because I felt like it was a little bit too subtle. Like the tail's fine, but I had to add a little bit to it. You can kind of see. Yeah, the face is a little washed out. That is true. Yeah, let me. Yeah, let's hear. So. I'll let. I'll show you mine. You show me yours. Yes, I'm happy. I said that. But yeah, I agree. It's but then again, I don't think the audience is going to quite get it as much because my detailed camera is showing a good depth and difference in color. Uh, but yeah, in in person, the the lighter colors you're seeing are are more emphasized more on Tony's. It, it's it is not as bright on mine. But still, I thought it was a really cool bucket, and it's something I would definitely want to have on my shelf. But I'm not going to support them with this crap anymore because forty nine ninety nine. You're you're I'm, you're I'm pushing sorry. it. You can call me a shill. I'm gonna have to do, uh, but I will be honest with you. Um, it is the higher end of it. Now, this is a lot more expensive than the wasn't the wasn't the Guardians of the or, no, I'm sorry wasn't the Amman and the Wasp Quantumania only like what was like fifteen dollars or something? No, that one was. They've all been twenty nine ninety nine. I up thought until it was a point. little bit cheaper, but um, but all honesty, I I mean like. Yeah, that's more expensive. I hope we don't get a whole lot of that. I feel like it was because it was the it was the end of a trilogy. Like they probably put more in effort into this one, which I do like it. And I I'll be honest with you, when we were at the um, see, I don't know, like a lot of people go to the premiere or like to the red carpet. They don't always get to go to the after party. We did get to go to the after party, which is where I got um, the Alamo Draft House collectible cup. Nice. Which you can get these at Alamo. These are souvenir cups that they sell at Alamo. In fact, I guess these have been not in. They've not been doing these since the pandemic, and these are back. So they started with Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I got like three of these because you could just ask. And, and I'm a show. I I'm soda. a show for the cups because one of the fondness from my childhood is that uh, Burger King, I believe, of all places, always uh, for every Star Wars movie had a stylized painted. I think it was lead paint too. You don't want to use the things, but they they came. They had glass tumblers. That were you know themed with elements from the movie. So a cup is a, is something that I'm a show for so much so that I, I don't eat Burger King, but oh, man. I I would I went there when they had limited edition cups for the Star Trek J.J. Uh, Abrams Star Trek movies, and my daughter uses them to drink milk all of the time and pisses me off because I don't want them to go through the wall. I have cups I don't want to be used as cups. Because mm -hmm. of that reason. So I'm an absolute shill for that. I can understand. And I don't know if there's an Alamo draft house near me, but I would definitely go to one just to get that cup. Oh yeah, absolutely. And um, but like we we went to we went to the, the after party, good food, but there was no seats, so like it, it was hard to even eat there. Um, but I when we went around, I took my son around and we went to we met Karen Gillan and stuff. And of course I didn't get a chance to, cause like Vin Diesel was having like an embracing session with James Gunn and was just like surrounded by people. Um, but when we were at the celebrity tables at the end of each table, they had one of these rocket popcorn buckets. And so I was looking at it and I like felt bad that I didn't ask about it. I'm thinking I'm never going to see this thing again. And then AMC and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. And then 50 bucks. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to do it. And then, of course, like, the boy had to have one. So just imagine. 
pizza I, place out. Dude, mind I, you, mine was a birthday gift, so I'm thankful. I'm thankful because I didn't have to pay for it. But still, that's a lot of money. I was I was dilemmaing. I really was because you know I still have even an extra Ant Man helmet right now from from that because. And yeah, there are Patreon supporters that are still waiting for me to send out the three original buckets because I suck. But uh, they are still yours, guys. They got your names on them. Uh, and and but still, I mean, there's that's the only difference in this one is that it's a character. Well, maybe it's because the character technically, if you wanted to, you could lose the bucket and still save the raccoon from it. Right. Whereas, you can disconnect them. It's a little bit easier with this one. Yeah. Whereas, um, like you know, the the Mjolnir popcorn vessel from love and thunder it is it is just strictly integrated in with its rock base you're not getting it off that thing without a lot of work and some restoration uh so you know i guess i could kind of see it but still it's just extortion i have one more question about guardians of the galaxy then we got to wrap up because we've been going way okay. too long um but there is one thing that happens in there and and this is uh this was available in one of the clips that came out before the movie because, you know, I did get spoiled by some scenes because of advanced clips that went out. And one of them is the scene of young Rocket and his circle of uh, eight, nine series uh, experiments. Mm -hmm. Rocket being 89P13 and Lila was like 89Q something or other. Uh, so mm -hmm. they were all laying around and and the walrus, you know, basically says, I've been thinking about, or no, it was Lila actually, it was first, who's like, you know, I, I was thinking more singular in about a name. So they all kind of come up with their names. And Rocket, in explaining his, he's like, one day I'm going to get out of here, I'm going to build great ships and fly my friends out through the endless sky. And in this movie, we get a more in-depth look at the newer ship, the Bowie that they have, or Bowie if you're yes. in England. And so my question to you is this, with that bit of knowledge, uh, and because of another reaction that a character has to the ship, do you feel that the, the Bowie was actually designed or created by Rocket? Absolutely. I believe that all of the tech for the Guardians is is built by Rocket. Rocket is, I mean, if you, even if you think about the catalyst with with Endgame, Tony had the concept for the quantum, the quantum um tunnel based off of the the van from from Scott Lang, but Rocket was the one building the Avengers quantum tunnel. Yeah, definitely. Um, in the film, like he he was the one doing it. And he goes, of course, you know, you know, you're not the smartest person. You know, you're, you're the smartest person on this planet. Um, kind of letting him know, like Rocket is absolutely smarter than him, and you can kind of see that even with the building of the gauntlet. Rocket was very involved in all of that. Like Rocket had to do those things because he could make work with technology what 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 everyone else's limitations were. And that buoy, the, the Bowie was absolutely made by Rocket and designed with his team in mind and and with their mindset. And probably he probably trained them on it, had all the protocols, like even like like the fact that like Peter was going through, and if you notice how he changed like the um the uh the frequency of i guess it was like the electrical like currents or something in the ship that helped them get through the different barriers mm -hmm. of of the uh the place that they were going to like like all of that was designed in a way that rocket was for forward thinking like you think about tony tony stark being a futurist he always made things to fix problems that he had in the past rocket was building things for 
concepts of issues for the future without ever having to go through those situations. Exactly, which is extremely true, especially when you see the movie, because there's a trinket that he has in the beginning of the movie that we learn its origin, and there was absolutely no need to build it, but he sure as hell was thinking about it, right? And even from the holiday special, we know it had a cloaking device. Mm-hmm. Like, this ship was was very well... Like, I had to go back and watch... Um, uh, the holiday special because I'm like, was did we see the Bowie there? And I'm like, oh dang, yeah, we did. Yep. Like I just thought it was like an auxiliary ship, but no, that was the the new. And I love you go back and you name it. I almost wonder if if Rocket is the one that named it as well. You have you had the first ship, of course, being the Milano, named after Miss Melissa Milano. And the Benatar. But the Benatar, Pat Benatar, and then you have the Bowie, and of course, there's a David Bowie song in the movie. Like you absolutely have this this progression. I believe this was Rocket doing it, especially with that end credit scene. Oh yeah, where they're literally going over music. Like Rocket, Rocket has taken some of the persona of, of Peter, and even in the first film, like always wanting clones of Peter's music. You know, using you know playing Southern Nights while he's like just wreaking havoc on the Ravagers. Like you can you can absolutely see. Oh my gosh. How could we even I'm all like we need to wrap up, but how can we not talk about this movie? Now there has kind of been a precedent that has been set in Marvel properties. One of them originated not in the MCU proper, but it originated in the Netflix series, and that was Daredevil with setting up um kind of a, a tight quarters fight scene. Uh, in mm-hmm. the first Daredevil series, it is known as the hallway scene. In the second one, it is the stairway scene. I don't even remember the damn third one. But in both of those instances, you get a very tight-knit fight quarter scene. And James Gunn, in this movie, took that to the next level with a hallway scene. The best hallway scene. I, I mean, that was the best action sequence, I would say, of any of the films. Just the fluidity with the team. I and, um, and also let, being able to see the limits of Nebula and what she can go through and still kick, kick yeah, it. but like, that all, absolutely crazy. But that also led me to uh, one thing that we see in there, where there is kind of this evolution of of Rocket kind of becoming Peter and Peter learning from Rocket. Because in that scene, I'm gonna spoil this element. Don't give a goddamn. Yeah, uh, there's a moment where where Peter is literally just suddenly slinging discs at people, and I saw them like, wait a minute, is that? And then sure enough, after he got about four of them down, the group of guys come charging at him and he just whips up that trigger and they all just get shocked. The same way Rocket hopped from Ravager to Ravager, planting these on him in the second film and then just shocked the living hell oh, out of him. Oh, you know he taught him that. You know it. The oh, Rocket yeah. absolutely taught him that. that. That was That's right out of Rocket's book. And it was, but it, at the same time, like, like seeing even Rocket, like, first of all, can we just talk about the fact that I love that Rocket's wearing boots now? Like yes. that. Like and just like he's the full fledged rocket raccoon. I mean, they're all wearing the suit. The only thing that was that was missing was was Star Lord's mask, and it would have literally been the outfit for the team. But I love the fact that all of the team members got the suits. It wasn't just nitpicking and and whatever else. You you had the team. They were uniformed, and 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 the fact that they were the the, the question of like, you know, what's going on, and all he had to say was, "We need to save all of them." All of them were on on page with him, and you could already see he was already leading them at that moment. Like we're going, we're going to go for all of them, and 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 them following behind him and following suit. 
and and that oh that action sequence was just beautiful. it was great and and then nebula's arm as well thank like, you knowing that he designed that i, I wanted to, um, i wanted to hit on yeah. that zach byerly in chat also brought that up he said he built nebula's new arm and that thing is crazy but i have to wonder did he build Nebula? because if you see the christmas special did he build nebula's new arm or did he modify a different arm to take it to a new James, level? James Gunn said it was a different arm. It, it, okay. It's a completely different arm. Yeah, he he made it, and it's better than than Bucky's. Oh, but indeed. I, one other thing, I do need to go back. Like, I have not seen it for a second time yet. We're hoping to do that next week. Um, I'm wanting to scour when you're in Rocket's room. I would love to see if it's somewhere. Like just hidden, like oh, like Bucky's arm is just. If like, it's anything like my room, it's just sticking out from under some laundry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, Tony, I got to tell you, I had one hell of a conversation. We didn't really hit on any of the other points outside of Guardians of the Galaxy. And you know what? That's okay. And, you know, it, like I said, if you want to hear my thoughts on the third season of Mandalorian and you want to hear my thoughts on Picard, you can check out uh, the last episode of uh, Special Edition Black Man Beyond episode of Fat Man Beyond. You can find that over on Kevin Smith's channel, youtube.com slash Kevin Smith. Uh, Tony, please remind everyone everywhere that they can find you and how. Oh, well, definitely check me out on um, at Mr. Marvelite. Uh, I still do social media there um, on pretty much on everything, TikTok, uh, Instagram, and on Twitter. Uh, but mostly you're going to find me on Nerd Initiative, and that's at the Nerd Initiative channel on YouTube, as well as nerdinitiative.com, where we're uh, doing some great things. We're actually uh, planning, I'll just say this real quick, um, we'll be at AwesomeCon um, in D.C., um, this June, it's going to be Father's Day weekend. We are doing a panel that Friday night um, at, a, I believe it's at 545. We're going to be doing Expounding in the MCU, Explaining Phases 4 and 5. Um, and so we're going to try to line up all of the threats that have been built up at this point and what it could mean um, for the future leading into uh, King Dynasty and, and Secret Wars and beyond. So it should be really good. Awesome. And, uh, you know, most importantly, too, when Tony brings up the YouTube channel, I think it's like every other week or or whatever schedule it is on. Be sure to check out him co-hosting fandoms with uh, with Michael as well uh, over there, yep. because it is always a great fan oriented discussion, as well as another way to go ahead and hear other people talk about and give their opinions on the latest in nerd news and things going on like that. So. Yes, and it's going to be happening this Friday um, at 9 o'clock. We're actually going to have a another uh, mutual on TikTok, uh, Nelly the Genie. He does a lot of um, Transformers cosplay. He does an amazing Optimus Prime cosplay as a person. And um, we're going to be talking about the Transformers movie franchise as well as Beast Wars and um, to him as a general. Fandoms this, this, uh, this season is going to be focused on talking about the fandoms that maybe not Michael and I are not necessarily as familiar with or not as in depth as like let's say Marvel or DC, um, but but we're gonna we're trying to have a, a new guest on every week, which hmm. may end yeah, up having guess. a certain bald headed gentleman there. Oh, okay, good because I was looking around and I didn't I didn't see my invite anywhere. I was just like, looking at the. Oh desk. no, it's coming! It's coming! I know it's a mess in here, but you know I didn't I didn't see it, so you know, just I was starting to wonder. But uh, Tony, as always, thank you very much. I. The, the internet is a crazy place, and uh, as a person a little more up in the years uh, than when I first started in the internet game, uh, it has really, one of the things I've reflected on lately is the fact that the internet has brought me some of my favorite people in the world and some of my closest friends in the world. And I, I really hope 
the feeling is reciprocated. But I not only appreciate your time joining me on on NetHeads, and you know, I I even said beforehand that that you are like the de facto second host of the show, kind of in second position after Trent, my second best friend, if you will. Again, uh, once mm-hmm. you see the movie, that'll be a lot more amusing. Uh, but uh, really, I appreciate it, and I want you to know that you truly are uh, to me one of my one of my certainly my better friends uh if not some of my one of my best friends uh, online and so thank you very much for joining me uh please if you enjoy this be sure to uh support tony as well in any way you can whether it's on tiktok youtube or the like and uh thank you very much for joining me my friend i greatly appreciate yeah, and, it and first i'm gonna say i'm not gonna let you get off get off easy on that um absolutely it's reciprocated you know, one of the things I think I've loved about the Guardians films is, is about found family. And after the pandemic and everything else, realizing that, you know, the people that I've met online, the friends that I have made are are my family. They're considered family. You know, we talk about, you know, you, Michael, like a lot of the people that we've met and become, you know, friends and family with. And, and dude, you've been there some, through some of the hardest stuff that we've had to deal with in this last year, if 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 not calling you one of my best friends, but calling you family because we love you, man. So don't don't ever oh, don't ever think. Thank that you. That's not I appreciate that. And that was one of those more interesting moments when when Tony was in L.A. Uh, the morning of the premiere. I just wanted to send him a quick note, and I just wanted to. I, I was actually walking my dog at the time, and I was I was kind of surprised how impacted I was by him being able to attend a premiere and I just sent him a quick video you know I'm like and I shot Benjamin my dog and I'm like Benjamin may not be really impressed but then I turned it to me and I'm just like congratulations man I'm really proud of you and really happy for you for this moment because like today is your day and then quite shocked I think you got some dust in your eyes yeah I definitely did you well you know it was an outdoor walk a little windy and uh you know then uh, actually I got to enjoy a nice FaceTime with with Tony and his entire family uh as they were just in the hotel room you know getting ready to take on the day and it was a nice moment so thank you very much sir i greatly appreciate it i feel the exact same way and uh you know what folks hey if you got a little dust in your eye great because it just means you're human uh and thank you kevin conroy we love you too uh not that kevin conroy the, you know this we have another kevin right. con he's the other kevin conroy as we like to refer to him so thank you very much guys for tuning in thank you for uh enjoying this installment hopefully of netheads uh don't forget next sunday at 6 p.m there's going to be somebody here with me, no matter what, uh, because we are bringing it back. We are fighting the Sunday scaries by bringing you some of the the happy nerd and tech talk that you're looking for and making you forget about the horrific uh, oncoming of Monday in itself. So we'll battle the Sunday scaries with the netheads every Sunday, 6 p.m. Pacific, as long as I'm able to do it. You know, family commitments happen. Like yesterday, my daughter had a dance competition. There was no doing anything else but go into that. So if it falls on a Sunday... Netheads are out of luck. But until next time, folks, thank you very much for tuning in. My name is Will. I'm Tony. And we will be back soon. This is Netheads with Will Wilkins and Trent Hunsaker. Signing off. I know, right? But stop being a little Nancy and deal with it. Netheads. 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 We'll be back soon. This has been a Smodco Internet Production. Sip only at Smodcast.com.
Tony, what if I wanted Zarg nuts? I sent you some. That's all you're going to get. <laughs> See, I thought you would do the thing from the movie. Like, well, what if I wanted Zarg nuts? And it's too late. They're already gone. And then you eat another <laughs> one. <laughs>